Coming live from Austin, Texas, USA is our guest tonight. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through the industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Dr. Andy Naley, Principal Naley Leadership Group. He is a, a keynote speaker, corporate trainer, coach, and consultant. Welcome to the show, Dr. Andy. Thank you, sir. Glad to be with you and your audience. Thank you. Thank you, uh, Dr. Nail, uh, Dr. Andy. So, you know, first we'll be talking about how to pip managing and start leading. Now, as we have just, you know, a couple of weeks into uh, 2023, what should a manager, what should a leader do? Should he, he, should he start, do management part? Should he do, uh, do the managing part? Should he do the leading part? Or should he do or focus on the bottom lines with the state of the economy at the, as the way it is with uh, so much of, you know, retrenchment and people and, and job cuts? What is the role of leadership at this point in time? Wow. Well, that is truly the million dollar question, isn't it? And the, the challenge you've identified, even in your opening question there, is the challenge we've all got to wrestle with. In fact, you and I are probably a little bit guilty. We've promoted this, uh, this master class session between you and me as how to quit managing and start leading. The truth of the matter is you don't quit managing when you become a leader. But management isn't enough for many of the reasons that you just mentioned, right? We, we are in an employee-constrained, recessionary tightening 2023 with a lots of uncertainty out there. Management isn't enough anymore. In fact, I'm not sure management was ever enough, but particularly as we've come out of the last, boy, it's been more than a thousand days since the world shut down. And, and as it has reopened, um, management, if we could think about management as the doing of execution and leadership as a being that has people come with you through that execution, that might begin to address the, the huge question you asked a couple of minutes. But, but it's not as simple. I, I, I tell my clients, leadership is, is simple, but it's not easy. It's, it's not simple to execute on. It's a simple concept. But uh, if, uh, if we could figure it out, you and I probably would have jobs and audiences and, and businesses because everybody else would be doing it well. The challenge is while managing, you've got to become a high-performing leader in order to assure the future, in order to lower employee turnover, in order to drive customer service scores. It's not enough to manage anymore. Right. That's right. Then, then, yeah. So then, who should people look up to in an organization? Is it the just the heads, those designations we should yeah. look at? Then, or is it if we are not talking politics here, but then we expect leaders even in political life, and people yeah. look up to the leaders as they are, you know, as as some sort of uh, people who can protect them yeah. but in terms of businesses when we talk of leaders then people 
a lot of leaders and thought leaderships and leadership principles, everybody keeps on telling even the managers and middle level managers, be a leader, take yeah. charge, lead from the front. What are these? If, yeah. if there are, uh, if it is, uh, there is no leadership thing as such at these times, then where are these words coming yeah. from? Who is yeah. creating this? Who is responsible for the state of affairs that we are in at the moment? Several questions at the same time. Dr. Andy, <laughs> if you are an expert. You are the master. All these questions are so interrelated. Uh, you, you, yeah. uh, so that you can, you know, answer them at your own pace. Yeah. Well, and, you, and you've thrown out a, a bunch of good questions there that you and I need to interact over um, here in the States. And I know it to be true in, in, uh, in Southeast Asia as well. We talk a great deal about leadership, and yet it remains ill-defined. Probably the best, best example, best definition of leadership is simply some who has, someone who has influence over the thoughts and actions of another. So there may be a formal relationship of management that, in some respects, uh, crystallizes that relationship of influence. But the fact that you have people that are dialing into our live uh, podcast today means that you are a person influence. The fact that I've got uh, more than a thousand people that follow my blog when I distribute it monthly means that I'm a person of influence. Now, I honestly chuckle because sometimes while I, I send my blog, written blogs out to a thousand people, uh, only seven of them may read it. And so how much influence do I truly have? But I think that's a way that we could define leadership. It's, it's, people that have influence over others. So a, a, a team member may be a leader. Now, what I've been looking at for more than 25 years, my dissertation studies, the work I do, the small businesses that I own, that I oversee, I've been looking at good managers and trying to figure out what separates those who are high-performing leaders from those who are simply getting their job done. And and here's where it'd probably be worth us for us to spend some time talking at. This is where I come back to. I think leadership is simple, not easy, but it's simple. There are four areas of focus. I call them the four leadership necessities that uh, that I've observed that good leaders bring to the table. You already alluded to one of them where it's uh, it's the long term picture. I call it the the area of conviction, the first leadership necessity. Do do you have your eyes up? Are you passionate about your cause? Are you forward looking for your strategy? Your, your people live in today and tomorrow and maybe next week and, and maybe this quarter. Leadership is is thinking longer term, thinking big picture. So one of the first things that a frontline manager or a mid-level manager needs to do, they assume that role is recognize my responsibility now is to get my eyes up and see where the might is, see where the corporation is going, see where our small business needs to drive. This first area is the area of conviction. Now, simply enough, I've kept these four leadership necessities all to begin with the letter C. The second one is competence, that whole area of execution. The, the uh, Wiley Research Group here in the States, a comprehensive study of leadership effective a number of years ago, uh, and they published a book called Work of Leaders. And one of the areas they identified that separates a leader from simply a manager, somebody that can not just execute themselves, but get their team to execute. And so leadership competence 
And, and for you and me, this has to do with things like um, managing risk, making decisions when you don't have all the information, seeing the strategic impact, competencies that may not be required for a project manager who's simply moving from A to B, C to D to E, but that's part of what requires leadership. So the first two leadership necessities, connection and competence. Now, I can dive into the other two, but do we need to stop and unpack those any further before I do that? You can, you can. You are an expert. I think okay. it is people who are coming to this show, they want to listen to the master. And, well, uh, and you know, there are uh, there is no, uh, no, there should not be paucity of time when it's time to learn. And this is about learning from you, Dr. Andy. Well, then I'll, then I'll continue. I, I would say there, there are no true experts. We're all in journey. One of the very first opportunities I had uh, to work with a, a client in India was when I was doing some work with Cisco a number of years ago. Um, and this third leadership competence was one that I saw demonstrated time and time again in, in the leaders that I was working with, in the training I was doing, in the coaching I was doing, in the consulting I was doing. This third leadership competence is the area of personal character, firmness, honesty, other-oriented, rich in character. Stephen Covey, the, the man who wrote The Seven Habits of High Effective People more than 25 years ago now, you know, you, you've heard his quote, I've heard his quote, people join an organization for the job. They leave because they're boss. They leave because of their supervisor. And as I was working with these technology leaders in, uh, in Southeast Asia and India and across the globe, um, one, one, of the, one of the terms that some of your colleagues shared with me was, Dr. Andy, what you're talking about may not be a formal relationship, but it's, it's, um, it's, it's that area of influence. We choose to follow someone because we value their lifestyle. Uh, the, the Leadership Challenge book in its seventh edition, it's been a research study that at this point has been 30 years old, and it's not a study of leadership. It's a study of followership. Why would people want to follow a leader? And interesting, in those 30 years of doing essentially the same survey globally across all developing continents, uh, the character traits of leader, honesty, integrity, fair-mindedness, some of these bedrock foundations of what I, I think uh, uh, in, in the Eastern mindset, we look to for a, a guru to possess types of characteristics where it's it's life wisdom, it's other-orientedness, it's it's the, the character of a leader. So we've got conviction, that strategy, that big picture, that's passion and vision for the organization and where it's going in the future. We've talked about competence, the ability to manage the execution of the people around you. Now we've talked about character. The fourth element was hard for me to define. And indeed, I've wrestled with what I was observing for a number of years. Um, and here in the States, I've had to kind of revitalize what is more of an archaic term. And it's the term covenant. Here in the state of Texas, in the US where I live, Here's what a covenant is. If someone chooses to get married in the state of Texas, they have the, the marriage celebration and, and, and the, the exchanging of vows and the love and affection. There is a personal relationship between a husband and wife that they make a declaration of forever and ever and ever. 
There's also a legal document that gets submitted to Secretary of State that is signed by an officiant that documents the formal nature of this personal relationship. And when I was looking at folks like you and me who are trying to lead our team well, part of what I recognized was it's about loving your employees. If I could use that term in the verb sense, where doing what in their best interest. But it is also recognizing that there's a formal execution process that's got to be accomplished. In fact, here in the seats, we see a lot of linked posting and we have a lot of discussions about, hey, I treat my employees as family. We're all family. And I say that's wrong because companies shouldn't be families. Your weird uncle that shows up at the holidays and sits in the corner drunk and abuses everybody with his verbal lashing, that might be acceptable in a dysfunctional family. That's not acceptable in a place of work. If you've got that weird uncle in a corner, you as a leader are responsible to address the formal position that person is in. So, so when I hear people say, yeah, my company is a family, I say, I hope not. I hope it's a team. I hope it's a healthy, well-functioning team that's competing, might be competing against its competition. It might be competing against a tough market. Hopefully it's at least competing against itself and last month's numbers or last quarter's numbers or last month's mission objective. But a healthy organization balances love with stewardship, with have a responsibility and do some work in the nonprofit world, in the NGO world, even those organizations have stewardship of mission. They, they need to get those supplies to the field. They need to take care of whatever their mission is. So, so it is not just love your employees. No, it's balance the tension of treating your employees well, but recognizing a leader needs to see the bigger picture. A leader needs to have hard conversations. A leader needs to hold people accountable. A leader needs to dismiss people at time if they're not in the best interest of the formal objective. Now, I see you nodding your head. So I think while this term, at least here in the States, may be a newer term, covenant, that's an actually an old term that we're reintroducing. Um, but, but those are the four leadership necessities, conviction, competence, character, and covenant. And that's why leadership is relatively simple. I've been looking at folks like you for, for decades at this point, and it's it's hard to execute. It's a simple orientation. If if the managers who are dialing into your live podcast today can simply clarify, I need to be working on these things to become a high-performing leader, they'll start to address the issue, am I a leader and not just a manager? Right. Absolutely. Dr. NDC, in my understanding of leadership, whatever I've seen in the past and what they used to say was that, you know, uh, leadership should have personal character and all that. It used to be very clear to anybody uh, that here is a leader. A leader, when he or she walked into a room, one could know. Even in military, you know, they used to say, how do you know when you are hiring an officer? Said, we don't know. We can make out if the person is can be an officer from a cadet. And, yeah. you know, even at the hiring process. But let's look at the present times. You know, you talk about personal character in a leader. Yeah. In today's time, you find so many resumes from managers, even at the CEO level, where they have omitted and committed and, uh, you know, 
they have the resumes have not been very true of their yeah. uh, of what they have been fudging yeah. uh, you know em embellishing their resumes how can you uh, expect true leadership from people who have just you know yeah. landed yeah. to those positions with those mindset that is one point yeah second thing is a lot of leadership is today beset with imposter syndrome <laughs> whatever the reasons maybe yeah. maybe it's because of those resume maybe because of other wellness issues but it's a fact in today's time yeah when yeah. we call such leadership as leaders as top managers in a company when we talk of job descriptions should there be a different job description for a person who has been hired for the work he or she has to do and there should be a different description for a leadership role how do because there is a gap there is a problem there is a shortage of good leaders today how yeah. do you look at this whole things with the so many talk of talk everywhere yeah. about good business practices leadership practices and there is this big term called hot leadership i don't know what to make of that yeah yeah, yeah. i'm not quite sure what to make of that either i know you raise a number of great issues here's one of the keys in my mind for a leader to be a really effective leader they need to be a good follower and here's what i mean by that. um character-based leadership that is that is full of conviction the mission of the organization doesn't put themselves first and and that's the key uh, uh i i'm i'm a i'm afraid in 2023 and beyond unfortunately celebrity leadership which has become such a popular social media thing and it's it's who people aspire to be i want to be an influencer i've got followers that is based more on me being my authentic self than me submitting to an authority to accomplish what's in front of me. I think we've got that wrong. The best leaders, and you mentioned the, the military a few minutes ago. You know, it's so interesting because I, I think until you understand the true model of military leadership, you don't recognize that the best military leaders serve their soldiers, serve their seamen. It's serve the frontline people. In fact, a best-selling book in the States by Simon Sinek is Leaders Eat Last. Well, it's based on the illustration of field army infantrymen where the, the, the frontline uh, soldiers eat first. The, the generals, they eat only if there's food left. That's the type of leadership that I think is lacking in a celebrity influencer focused social media highlight world and and probably that's my big concern when i when i look at the the state of uh the marketplace today it's it's you know has that leader written a bestseller they've been on popular television shows are they a charismatic some of the best leaders in history um have been somewhat invisible the the the, the impact of their leadership is the, the people who are better for the time they spent underneath them. So right. I, I think you identify some of the key terms and in uh, and I, I, I just have concerns because they're driven by social media these days. Social media presence is not transient into leadership 
effectiveness. It's a difference between following an authority and being authentic to yourself, what that means. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's talk about the golden principles of leadership. And, you know, generally people say uh, the country has gone to the dogs. <laughs> and then say, and in corporate, they say it's a dog's life. Yeah. And your book, it's about golden principles, life and leaderships from a rescued dog. Yeah. No yeah. leader, nobody else could come <laughs> to your mind in terms of the right leadership lessons, but a dog. Well, means I, I, I'm, I'm trying to point out the irony here, Dr. Andy. What does what is that book yeah. about? I'm sure it's a very nice way you have put it, but I guess sometimes we need to yeah. go back to things which Basics. are actually talking yeah. about much more yeah. about us and less about those people who cannot speak. Yeah. But yeah. their actions speak louder right. than That's any exactly. human being who scream all day long in offices, <laughs> in social media, every corridor and even corridors of power. Yeah. No, good point. And my my little bestseller, The Golden Principles, Life and Leadership Lessons from a Rescued Dog, as you've alluded to, is really just a personal set of stories. My wife and I, you know, here in the States, we're big dog people. So when you say somebody's gone to the dogs, that's a good thing here in the States. And, and we're big dog people. My wife and I have been rescuing dogs since about four years into our marriage. Uh, and so... Uh, they've all been golden retrievers for the most part. I'm not sure we ever intended that, but our first couple of rescues were golden retrievers, that beautiful, friendly breed that you see in all of the movies and the television ads. Um, but we've rescued some dogs from very bad situations. My wife and I haven't, but rescues have that we're connected to. Redford came to us about 15 years ago. He had been neglected and abused. He was about a one-year-old dog, had never had much human interaction, I've spent my married years with dogs that, and we know how to handle dogs and we couldn't get anywhere with Redford. He, he would, he would hide from me for weeks. He would squat and urinate whenever I used a loud voice, he would run. Um, and I had to relearn how to earn trust with Redford. So for instance, one of the things if we were to observe dogs at a dog park or playing together, they, when they approach another dog, if they want to be friendly, they, they get down in what you might call kind of a cat-cow pose, and they stretch their front paws out. They put their tail up in the air. They're basically saying, I'm friendly. I'm not a threat. I'm not trying to get over you. Well, one of the vets was trying to help us understand how, to, how does Dr. Andy reach Redford? Andy, you get home from a business trip. Instead of walking in at midnight and dropping your suitcases and yelling across the house, I'm home and sending him running, maybe when you get home, quietly walk in, get down on your hands and knees, do a stretch, a play bow, and let Redford know that you're safe. Well, why would I have to do that? I'm his master. I'm his owner. I'm the one that rescued him. I'm feeding him. We're taking him to the vet to get him healthy. We're doing all those things, but, but Redford didn't know that. And so for me to be able to influence Redford, I had to meet him where he was at. And so that began a series of simple lessons that I recognized. These are not just pet lessons. These are 
people lessons as well. And so I was, I was sharing the story of Redford at a conference, gosh, at this point, more than 15 years ago, and a book publisher heard that story. And he said, if, if you got any other dog worries, and my wife and I have been rescuing dogs for many years at that point, I said, man, I think most of what I've learned about being a good influential leader is from dogs we've rescued. He said, that would make a sweet book. That's how the golden principles came about. And I've written a couple of books. Uh, the only one that really has any traction that people identify with is the golden principles because people who are who are pet people can identify with getting down to their level. You know, one of the other lessons Redford taught us when we couldn't get him to obey and stop running, our art said, Andy, instead of always saying no to the wrong behavior, learn to say yes to the right behavior. And so when he did something well, just ridiculous in our praise and our in our affirmation of what was doing well and that really helped me solidify the leadership lesson of of a, of a, a good appropriate yes is always more powerful than too many no's there's a study out of duke university that that talks about how do you become a trusted advisor it's several years old at this point but it's it's three years of consistent investments of value but before you earn the right to ask for a commitment. Well, that's another reflection of, you know what? We're on focusing on the yeses and, and less on the noes. That's a good leadership principle. So, so a number of lessons like that, that my dogs taught me. And now it's become just a little bit uh, famous when uh, Amazon audience that uh, are pet lovers. Yeah. Yeah. In, in the UK, you can learn from anywhere and, if you are not able to look at examples uh, from within or in all the books that you have studied in management or your college degree, then perhaps you need to open your eyes, open the windows and look into the world and you will find great lessons spread across everywhere That's that you exactly go. Right. If you look at those truly. My, exactly. Another question to understand things uh, from your perspective then Dr. Andy is that is you talk about we turn managers into leaders, but actually is leadership for everyone? Yeah, yeah, great question. Just like the title of our talk together, how to quit managing and start leading, we turn managers into leaders. The effective leader is also a manager. It, it, it's uh, uh, two different natures. As, as I said 20 minutes ago, management is about the what needs to be done. It's about managing production and performance. It's about output. It's about mission accomplishment. All of those things are vitally important. Leadership comes alongside that and is bigger picture, is the inspiration, is the conviction, is the hard conversations that motivate people to perform better. So, so they're, they're really not in opposition. We don't, we don't want anybody to ever stop managing, but the best managers also work hard at leadership at doing the things we talked about, those four leadership necessities, conviction, competence, character, and covenant. Right, right, Dr. Andy. There is so much to learn about leadership from you, from what you have spoken, what you speak, what you teach. You know, you are a corporate trainer, coach, and consultant. From the books that you have written, you have also done a doctorate dissertation on the personal side of leading. Yeah. All these things make you the go-to guy on well, leadership. So how do people reach you? What is the best way to reach you, to engage you, and to bring them to their own places?
through here. Yeah. Well, a couple of differences. First of all, we, we've talked about the importance of communication in the life of a leader. And one of the things that I'd love to make available to your followers is uh, 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 conversations, the, the three imperative leadership conversations. If somebody simply goes to leadershipmaterials.com, leadershipmaterials.com, there's a download there of how to hold hard conversations, how to hold coaching conversations, and how to hold those affirmation conversations we talk. So it's a simple eight-page ebook, but but I'd welcome your follower to go to leadershipmaterials.com. And then the other thing is I'm very soon to get hold of Andy at Neely Leadership. Dot com And you've had my name scrolling across the bottom of our time together. So simply Andy at Neely Leadership and they can reach out to me and I'd be glad to add them to my, my monthly blog. Uh, and you said a minute ago, I'm I'm the expert. Nobody is the expert. And for them here in the States, to the best of my assessment, there's 17,000 people like me who influence corporations and trade associations who are passionate about this. So, so I just have a little voice, but I'm I'm pretty convicted that for some people, my voice is the voice that will help them grow. So thank you for the privilege of our time together. I hope this has been helpful to some of your followers and your audience members. As you can tell, I think you share this passion around leadership. I, uh, you will not see a high-performing organization that doesn't have leaders inside it, not just managers, but leaders. And that's, that's how I'm supposed to make a difference in the world is helping people like grow. Wonderful, wonderful. On this note, Dr. Andy, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you so much for joining us.